0: chapter 3 and we will begin reading or we will only read verse 7 1st Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 when you got it say so and it says husbands Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Since it's only one verse, we'll read it again. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered amen before we pray I will share something with you every you know at least once a year maybe I preach about marriage and I speak about the topic the last time that I did that we were talking from the book of Ephesians and the book of Ephesians gives a lengthy breakdown of what the man is supposed to do I remember Pastor Robert came and told me after I preached both messages says man you were tough on the men, bro. I wish you were a little tougher on the women. Now, he was joking with me, and it's, you know, in jest. He's not, you know, he's just messing with me. But I want to tell you this. There is a joke in what he's saying, but I want you to realize something. For all of the men that are here today, you're going to have to man up today. Amen? And I say that sincerely because sometimes we're, we want to hear the word in a, in, in a way that's kind of soft. That's for the women. That was last week. Kind of sensitive. That was last week. Kind of like, you know, uh, that was last week. This week is all for you, and I'm going to act like there's not a woman in the building, glory to God, and it's just us talking, sitting down, having a conversation, and we just looking at the word, and Jesus, help us all, amen? amen? It's going to be good, though. It's going to be fun, and I don't do it because, you know, I want to be mean or I want to be rough. I just want you to repair your heart as we pray so you can really—I know sometimes during the moment that I pray, you kind of disengage and say, okay, when he finishes praying, he's going to say you can be seated. I don't want you to disengage in this prayer time, Amen. I want you to really ask the Holy Ghost to prepare your heart and allow you to hear. And for the women that are in here, glory to God, you just hear what the word of the Lord says because I hope that in this you will be encouraged as well. This is a good message not solely for the married men, but this is a good message for those men who are not married. This is a good message for the women, young ladies that are not married as well because you will know what to look for and what to expect. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we love you. And we do honor you today, God, and we thank you so much for your word that is truth. It is the truth that sets us free, and my God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give each and every person in this place ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church corporately and to us as individual parts of your body, God. Father, I pray that you would bring edification, that you would bring challenge, that you would bring rebuke. Father God, that you would bring deliverance from every mindset, Lord God, that opposes us being the men of God, the husbands that we are called to be, Heavenly Father, the loving leaders who lead our families according to your word. Father, we acknowledge that the calling is high, for your example is one that is without blemish, and that is the one that we as men are called to follow. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers that are here i pray that we father god as men as those who are incapable lord god of walking in perfection that we would hear the breath lord god or or sense the breath of your spirit breathing into us as we hear your voice calling us higher god father i pray that you would make me sensitive under your spirit and that you would help me, Lord God, to bring you glory and to bring you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Before I begin, I want to, I just, I have to make, Pastor Aldo is not here, and so I don't want to bombard Pastor Robert with like a million announcements there is two things one of them is in the back um martha or someone one of the ushers will have the monthly calendar and that'll be for you to grab on your way out and that is so that way you will be able to know what activities are going on there is a very important one and this is very very important to me for those of you that have been visiting with us for a while, some of you have checked off on your tithe and offering envelopes that you're interested in membership and you have never gone through the, um, the the membership classes of the church. And so, next Sunday, and this is on the calendar as well, next Sunday at 8 o'clock in the morning, I will be here and I will be giving the vision carry orientation. It is three Sundays consecutively. And so, if you are interested in knowing what it is that is expected of a member, what it is that um, membership requires, and all that good stuff, then I encourage you to come out even if you're not ready to become a member you just need to know some things I encourage you to be here is from eight o'clock to nine o'clock and so we'll start at eight o'clock promptly very important also that you sign up for this because I'm not going to be here at eight o'clock in the morning if nobody is coming and I want to be able to make sure I send you a text give you a call and let you know that we are going to have the class just as a reminder because you know our weeks get crazy sometimes and so Saturday I'll send you that out so if you're interested in that there is a sign up sheet in the lobby and I need you to sign up out there for that amen Second announcement really quickly also, Monday night, I am continuing on with the wake-up call book for those of you who cannot make Wednesday nights. I will be doing this at 7 o'clock. We meet here um, in the 6 to 11, and we get together. We had an awesome time last week. We'll be going over chapters 2 and 3 and the wake-up call for those of you who want to make it on Monday nights. Amen? And so now, I'll give you one more reason why I'm so tough when I preach to the men. It is because I have to hear this message first. I don't know if you understand that. When I sit down and I study this out, I have to hear this message first. Jesus is speaking directly to me and calling me higher and he is letting me know where I'm falling short and I am greatly challenged and so I don't want to you know um, dumb, numb it down in any way shape or form I want to make sure that we as men are called to that place that is higher and so in this scripture here last week I dealt with the wives and I told your wives that were here and for you wives that may may not have been here I, I, I asked your wives according to scripture to obey the word of God and to submit unto you as the, as, as the leader of the family regardless Regardless of what you do, regardless of how you act, regardless of anything, I asked her to submit based on the scriptures because the Bible is clearly speaking to the woman in the prior verses about a woman who is a Christian who is married to a non-Christian man and the scripture says that if you have a husband that does not obey the word then you should submit to him and that way that would be the vehicle of evangelism so that's what I did last week and I want to say this, with everything that I'm going to say today no matter what your husband is like or is not like no matter where you look at because i know you are great wives you're going to look at everything that i communicate and you're going to see he falls short here he falls short there that does not give you a right not to submit Amen? amen the men should have said amen loud glory to god Should have said amen, amen, hallelujah. Because you know what? Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that all of us fall short of the glory of God. And I believe this as I prayed this now. I wasn't just praying something just to pray it. But one of the most challenging callings and responsibilities in a man's life is that of being a godly husband. One of the most difficult things for a man, and and, and as he's called into Christianity, is to be a godly husband. To do so, we must understand this, that it means much more than just working hard to provide, to bring an income into our home, or making decisions for our families. When we think about being men and being leaders, when we think about those things, a lot of times we saw examples, whether good or bad. We Some of us saw good providers in our, in our families, and then that was all that our fathers did. They provided well, and then they locked themselves up in the garage, and they came home, never engaged with the family anymore, and that was it. And so we thought, well, you know what? That is a great man. He provided. We had a good roof over our head. We had food in the cupboards, and we had things in the refrigerator, and we were never hungry, and we had all the things that we wanted. And so then that was a man. I want to let you know that being a man is more than just working hard. Being a man is more than just doing that. That is part of it. But there is more than that. It is more than just you deciding we are going to do this. We are going to do that. This is the direction we are going to go. That is part of being a man or a godly husband. But that is not the end of it. There is more that the apostle communicates. The reason why this challenge is so great is because Jesus is the ultimate husband or the bridegroom. And he establishes the highest standard for male leadership. When we look at Jesus, he is the perfect man. The perfect picture. He knew when to be sensitive. He knew when to be harsh. He knew when to communicate this. He knew when to ask a question. He knew when to answer a question. He knew all of these different things. He gives us the most difficult example. And in all of his perfection then he decides that he is going to lay his life down and die for his bride mind you his bride is the one who's spitting in his face his bride is the one who is beating him his bride is the one who nails him to the cross most of us men if we're honest with ourselves what we would do if someone is spitting in our face and disrespecting us we would definitely not die for them we would want to choke them I mean, that's just being real. I mean, if we're going to be honest about some stuff, we're not going to want to just, well, you know what? Let me go ahead and die for you because you are so wonderful. No, but Jesus gives us this amazing example. And as intimidating and, and seemingly unattainable as being a truly godly and biblically sound husband may seem, it is not an excuse to stop striving toward the upward calling that we have in Christ. And so, no matter how difficult it may seem, I want you to get this. You don't just throw in the towel just because, man, I've tried and, you know, I I, I just can't get it. No, you pray harder. You seek God more diligently. You meditate on more scriptures. If it means you need to read six more books, read six more books on marriage. Whatever it takes in order to help you to become that godly man, that godly husband, that's what we do because that's what God has called us to do in Christ Jesus through his example. Amen. And so, we understand this, and I want to say this, one of the greatest challenges that we face as fathers, that we face as a church, is raising up men, not just boys with facial hair. One of the greatest challenges that we face as a church, understand this. Sometimes we cripple our boys by not raising them up and treating them like they need to be men and not teaching them what that means. I want you to understand that when we, when we're kids, we do all kind of stuff. As young boys, I know me. You know, when, when growing up in our, in our neighborhood, you know, we it, it, the, the 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 thing was for us. We used to go and we used to wrestle all over the place. I mean, we would we would make these fake you know wrestling belts and stuff like that and title belts, and we would go out there. Listen, take cardboard and just make these belts, and then we would go out there and we would act like we were Randy Savage and all these other crazy folk that were wrestling, and we would get out there and we would do all kind of craziness in the grass and wrestle and the whole point was we wanted to show who was the strongest because if you were the strongest if you were the most athletic if you were the one who was able to you know pin this one slam that one get this one to submit then you were the man listen and our boys grow up thinking that that really defines a man we have other things that we think that define men. As I grew up, I saw some bad examples. And listen, I love my family to death. The sad reality is that they did not love Jesus. My grandmother was the only person who sought the Lord. And so when I was probably about eight years old or some somewhere around there, I remember walking into my uncle's bedroom. Mind you, when I say my uncle's bedroom, you would think that he was probably like 15, 16. No, he was probably like 25 or something to that, to, to that effect wasn't a very responsible person wasn't trying to work listen i I understand economic times and please know my heart there are difficult situations that people go through and so i'm not bashing any of that i'm letting you know the example that was not passed on through or or that was passed on to me through my uncles that wasn't godly anyway around eight years old i go into the room you know and and me i just he's my uncle so you know what i do i just walk in the room because i'm able to do that there's no boundaries or anything like that and when i walk in the room and this is going to be really gross and some of you may get really offended but i just want to show you the picture of how we'd begin to define manhood when i walk in the room i see laying in his bed two women and he's under the covers and he comes out under the covers and he put he pops his head up and he's like jason you need to get out of this room and so what do i think well well one way of being a man is i got to be the strongest the other way that i prove my manhood is by sleeping with as many women as possible and get as many of them in a bed with me at one time as possible that really makes me the man These are the things that define our young men. These are the things that make us feel like we are men because we have made all of these areas in our life where we have conquered and we have done stuff and we are trying to conquer the wrong things. And so we, for you fathers, because I have not been blessed with a son, for you fathers and mothers that have boys, teach them what it means to be a man. If there's one thing that I can glean and I can take from the Jewish tradition is that we are able, or they, what they do is they do this bar mitzvah thing when a kid turns 13. And you know what that is? That is literally his knighthood into manhood. It's saying you are going from the place of being a boy to now being a man. And now you are going to take on some real responsibilities. Like you're going to learn how to pick up your clothes after yourself. You may learn how to wash some clothes just in case your wife is like Bishop's wife and, you know, he likes to wash clothes. Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. She doesn't really enjoy it. You know what? She enjoys it. I just don't like the way she does it. So, you know, glory to God. I'm just just keeping it real. Hallelujah. She, you know, she's not here, but, you know, she knows what I'm saying. There she is. See, she's looking at me. I love you. She'll tell you, she she didn't really feel in washing the clothes. And so, you know, glory to God. She'll do it, but I just, I have a certain way I fold things and, you know, just anyway, we have a different system. Amen? But it's to learn how to do certain stuff. It's to learn what it really means to be a man. It is learning that being a man is not scoring the highest on a video game. And when you grow up, and I mean this, when you grow up, you shouldn't come home from work to be like, okay, I did my eight hours at work, now I get to come home and play video games all night. To be a godly husband, you're not going to be able to do that stuff. And if your wife allows you to, man, she's crippling you. Hear me. So we need to be able to have godly men. And so what does God expect of a man? The first thing is, repeat this after me. Say, a wife can be understood, but it takes work and willingness. Read, read with me now. We we, got to read the scriptures, right? Because I've heard. And you know, if I've ever said this, I don't think I've ever said this, but if I have, because there's a whole bunch of, you know, recordings of me and I may have said something like this. Women are really impossible to understand. Women are tough to understand as much as men are. Hear what I'm saying. Your Bible says, look look, look at what God commands of the man. He says this, verse 7, starting at the top. Husbands, likewise. So what is he doing? He's connecting this. Wives were told to submit. Husband, you have some responsibilities in this marriage. And he says this. He says, dwell with them with understanding. Dwell with them with understanding. Now listen, if we believe the lie that women are just too complicated and you can't understand them, then you are calling God a liar. You are saying that God has given you an impossible task. Because God clearly says that we need to be as husbands understanding. We need to dwell with understanding with our wives. The easy route in marriage is to say you can't understand a woman. So we either ignore her needs or tell her to simply do what she wants or to get what she wants. Let me say it again. The easy route in marriage is say, man, I'm never going to understand what my wife needs. And so you know what? I'm going to do one of three things. I'm going to ignore her and just act like her needs don't even matter. I'm going to go on ahead and say, listen, just do what you want to do. Get what you want to get, or I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to embrace what the scriptures teach, which is the third option, the best option of all. And I'm going to say, let me learn about my wife. Let me get to understand her. I want to say this. I've done a little bit of counseling, not a whole bunch, you know, about nine years in ministry. And so I've done a little bit of counseling. And I want you to get this. I have yet to meet a woman who is impossible by herself. What do you mean, Bishop? I've yet to meet a woman that is just all her that's impossible. I have yet to meet a woman in a counseling session where it's just her. She is just impossible. You can't get along with her. And when I sit down and I hear all of that stuff. See, because here's the beauty of, of, of when counseling happens. A lot of times this is how it occurs. One of the couple will come to me and give me their whole story about whatever's going on. And I listen to the whole story, and it's one-sided because it's your view. And then if I'm granted the privilege to sit down and talk with both of you together, then what I get to do is I say, now give me your version. And when we begin to talk about this, I begin to realize, well, she's not as impossible or he is not as impossible as you made them out to be. There's some issues on both sides. And so the point that I'm making is this, is that God commands us be understanding with our wives. What does it mean to dwell in understanding? It means to live with them in an understanding way. It means that we live intentionally getting to know our spouses. But Bishop, I already got to know her while we were dating. Really, she's continuing to grow. She's continuing to read. She's continuing to change and things are going on in her life. And I guarantee you that if you take the time to pay attention to those changes and what is going on, and how her moods shift, and all this and that, instead of just saying, well, it's that time of the month. Hold on a second. It may be that time of the month, and that may be true, but is there something else going on that maybe you as a husband that is called to be understanding should pay attention to and find out what the deal is? I'm just saying... Are we doing what the Bible teaches us? Dwelling with them in an understanding way. It's it's, it's about being intentional. It's communicating. Paying attention to those changes. Being available to our wives and prayerful for them. This is what it means to dwell with them in an understanding way. It is the responsibility of the husband to pursue understanding of of his spouse. But the wife must not be impossible due to the past Or the common sense misconception. Let me deal with both of those. A lot of times, we have past experiences. Everybody in this place, in your marriage, you have some kind of past experiences. And I guarantee you, not every single one of them is all good. Hello. There are some bad experiences that we have in our marriages, some things, and some of us we continue to reenact those same behaviors over and over and over again, which puts a bad taste in our spouse's mouth. Therefore, when we try to communicate and we try to come to them, I give you the example: it is this. Your wife, you see her as a rose, right? Well, what happens is roses have thorns all over them, and 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 there's you know there's some leaves that grow up around that, and you know if it's nice and healthy, you have less chance. You're still going to get poked in some way, shape, or form, but at least you have some protection there when you mistreat your wife and you are not trying to be understanding and you allow things to go south rather than the way that they should be what happens is those thorns begin to stick out really intensely and those leaves that were there for protection are now gone and so when you try to approach and you try to get close all you get is poked and so then you decide man i'm gonna run the other way right this is what happens to us but here's what I'm saying to the wives as your husbands, because they are going to go home and they're going to be the most understanding men on the planet. Hallelujah. And they're going to try to get close to you and they're going to try to understand you and they're going to ask you questions and they're going to be devoted. Because these are some men of God up in here. And, and, and they, 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 when, when they come to you like that, don't 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 jab them with the first thorn. Oh, you're just doing that because Bishop told you. Let's disarm that right quick. OK, don't do that to them. Oh, you're just trying to get sex from me. Don't even do that to them. That may be true, partially. Hello. <laughs> so, brothers, we, we, got, we got to chill out, man. We, 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 we really got to come to our wives, not just wanting something. Hello. I had, I, had, I had the most amazing. I told my wife I was going to do this in here, so I got to do it. But I had the most amazing experience the other day. My wife and I were talking, and on Thursday nights, the way that our house works is our daughter has a deal with us. On, since Friday's my day off, usually I get up later than normal. And so what, what my wife and daughter do is my daughter sleeps in the room with my wife, and I sleep in my daughter's bed. Friday nights, we flip-flop and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, this Thursday night, we get home from rehearsal. My daughter, she's already knocked out on our bed. And so I'm ready to just go into the room and, you know, I have my phone, got Netflix. I'm going to watch some stuff on there. I'm chill by myself, right? I'm having my little, like, guys night, right, by myself. And so my wife comes in the room, and she's like... What are you gonna do and I said I'm just gonna chill out in here and she's like but why can't we go cuddle and I got him and I said yes we get to cuddle hallelujah <laughs> and so, so the point is that I told her you know I, I was like and, and she started laughing and then the next day she's like cracking up at work because she's thinking about me making that whole posture and I was I was like yes this is exactly what I was looking forward to was cuddling glory to God this is I wake up wanting cuddle dates listen Y'all know why you're laughing, because don't no man on the planet be like, yo, let's have a cuddle date. That's not, that's just not the truth, okay? But here's the point. Your wife needs that. There are some moments that she doesn't need to be groped, hello, in a cuddly way. You know how that is. You get all cuddly, and then all of a sudden you start rubbing hard, glory to God. Right? She needs you to just... Just for no reason, just because I love you, right? She needs that. Listen, I struggle with it just like everyone else. But that's part of understanding her. And so the one thing is, ladies, you can't allow the past to be this hindrance of your husband understanding you. And here's the other misconception. For those of you that have been with us a while, you probably went to one of our Covenant Couple retreats that we had. And somebody asked a question, and it was this. And this is the common sense, um, you know, misconception. Why don't men have common sense? Hallelujah. Let me say it again. The question was, because what we did was, just so you can understand the context. In this retreat, we gave the opportunity for husbands and wives to write down questions that we could answer biblically. Right? Give you a biblical answer. And so one of the questions was flat out, why do men not have common sense? So my answer is, common sense is relative. Depends on where you're from. If I'm a person, right, born in the city, and I go out to some cow pastures, hello, there's a high likelihood that I'm not going to be looking down the whole time, and I'm going to step in something, I'm going to get a lesson that is going to create some common sense the next time I walk out in that pasture, amen? Amen. Because I didn't learn certain things. And so, ultimately, it is not that men don't have common sense. There's other issues. Maybe they're not communicating, but it's not a common sense thing. And the reason why this is so important is because some women get so worked up and they're like, you know what? This man, I'm not going to tell him anything. He's got to figure it out. What? That's why men say junk like, you can't understand women. Hello. Because if you are not communicating... If you are not speaking, if you are not letting them know what is going on, even though you've tried 102 times, right? You went beyond 100, you went to one, you went to two, now you're done. Listen, continue on to communicate what's necessary so he can really understand you. Amen? Let me give you some points to help you understand your wife. The first thing you need to understand, and this is real real easy to understand, she is not a man. I know you figured that out from anatomy. But I don't sometimes it doesn't translate to the mental place or the emotional place. She is not a man. She does not think like you think. She does not reason like you reason. And so, to understand her, you're going to have to make some efforts. Hallelujah. The second thing that you need to understand, she is not one of your boys. What you mean? What I mean is, you talk to your boys a certain way, you do not talk to your wife that way. You don't treat her like she's one of your whatever you want to call them, okay? You just pop a word up in there. She's none of that. She is your wife, right? She... She, she, don't talk to the way you talk to me don't talk to the way you talk to this one talk to her like she is the woman of God that she is here's another one she is not your mother, your aunt, or your grandmother whoever raised you whoever, you know because nowadays you don't know who raised kids right she is, not, she is not your mother she is not the one that raised she, she is your wife wife is partner say partner she is your partner she's not don't compare to your mom especially not her cooking hello don't don't do that it's not good i did it the first time my wife made red beans and she didn't make them for like five more years hallelujah now she rocks them beans glory to god i'm like can i get your beans hallelujah Y'all, y'all, y'all mind ain't right, glory yeah. to God. Y'all know. You, you, listen, I'm talking about food, amen. Y'all still ain't right. But anyway, so moving on. She is not stupid or inferior. This is important. Because sometimes we talk to our wives like they are beneath us. Like, why can't you get this? Because you haven't explained it that well. Hello. I didn't hear, I didn't hear that, (laughs) but my wife, we had one of those conversations this morning, hallelujah, she's like, are you going to have any meetings, and I said, yes, I'm going to have a meeting, and then she's like, okay, and my next statement was, the pastors are going to be in the meeting with me, and she was like. You know, we had a little disconnect there for a moment and then I realized that I, I, I said a couple of other words in my brain it was the next one but I said a few other words in between there that kind of threw her off hello is it because she's dumb no it's because sometimes my mind is running and I'm over here and over there and she just can't keep up with me sometimes hello is it because she's dumb no because she don't, she's not in my brain So she's not connecting the dots because, you know, it's like when you're writing, you don't just say he or she because you need to make sure you clarify who he or she is. Because if you said, you know, Tony way up here in the beginning of the paragraph and then three paragraphs later, you said, and he, who is he? Is it because a person's dumb? No, because your grammar is messed up. Hello. Hello so you have, have an issue with grammar, right? So the, the point of the matter is, though, your wife, she's not stupid. She's not inferior. To help you understand, you need to get that. And the last one that I'll give you is this, is that you are just as complicated as she is. And she tolerates, tries to understand you, and loves you unconditionally. Yeah. <laughs> Glory to God. Just, just as difficult as you are to understand, as she as you think she is to understand, so are you to her. And you know what? The reason why you should do that is, number one, because God commands it. Number two, because she tries to do it, and you should reciprocate that. Amen? And listen, you're, you may be like, nah, Bishop, she don't try to understand me. Maybe she gave up. I don't know. The point of the matter is, is that God commands us to understand our wives, dwell with them in an understanding way. So that's the first thing we should do. Second thing, repeat after me. Say, a wife must be honored and given value by her husband the scripture goes on to say continuing on in verse 7 it says husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife the husbands are to give honor the wife is not to fight for honor the husband is to willingly give his wife this honor. What it means is not solely to display it or make a facade and make everyone think that you are giving her honor, but this word literally means to assign or to portion out. Back in the day, we don't obviously we don't do this now, but there was something that's called a bride price. And what would happen is the husband would pay this for the wife. He would he he was saying there was a specific value that this woman has and I am going to pay that and you know what God takes it to a whole another dimension he said look don't just pay a bride price once and think well I already gave her honor I already said she was worth whatever it was that I paid and for us nowadays it's like all right I put that engagement ring on her finger hello somebody I already showed her what she meant to me. I bought her the car. And so we do all of these other things that, that, that apparently say that we honor or value them. But that's not what the scripture is talking about. It's saying that we need to apportion in our hearts. We need to give them this value or, or this honor. The word honor, it means a valuing by which the price is fixed. And so in your heart, let me ask you this question as a husband. What is your wife worth to you? Just think about it. What is she worth to you? How much time of your day is your wife worth to you? How much time of conversation, cuddle time, whatever it is that she is looking for, how much of that is she worth to you? Here's what I want you to know. Is that no matter what you said in your brain, your actions speak louder than words. And your actions indicate what she is really worth. If, she, if you really honor your wife, if you really give her the honor that she is worthy of, then you are going to treat her the way that she should be treated. Our treatment of our wives, what do I mean by that? Setting apart time for your wife or not indicates how much do you really value her. Schedules are different. A lot of us or most of us that are in here, both, you know, both of us work jobs. Some of our job situations are different schedule wise. And so we're not able to be able to get up in the morning at the same exact time or go to bed at night at the same time. But when do you have your wife scheduled in to your life? When? When is she? When is it that that priority that says this is her time? If that's not there then I'm letting you know you have an issue giving her honor. How about praying with or for your wife? How about that? Just start by praying for her. Think about how much you pray for her. That will motivate you and bring you to the place of praying with her. How about speaking to her in an honorable way? How about speaking to her in a manner that brings honor and glory to God? Speaking to her in a manner that makes her feel good. Or not. How about when you speak about her? When you're not in her presence. When she's not there. When you're around a people that you are confident they will never bring back whatever you're saying to your wife. How do you speak about her? Do you speak about her in an honoring way? If you don't. You have issues honoring your wife. How about taking interest? I already gave you all the example of the cuddling thing. That interests your wife, I guarantee you. Taking interest in other things that she likes to do. I know you don't like to watch chick flicks. She does. Right? That may be a perfect cuddle moment. sit down, watch this really emotionally driven movie, and we get to cuddle, glory to God, right? We get that cuddle time in there, hallelujah. Every one of these things that I'm talking about here, they all indicate her value to you, and ultimately, they either build her or they break her. When he talks about giving them honor, you set the price in the sense that you say this is how valuable you are to me this is how valuable you are the scripture says it goes on to say that you are to honor her or you are to give her honor as the weaker vessel for those of you in the in, in the covenant couples class you know that Dr. Emerson went through the whole definition but i want you to realize a couple of things when it says that she is the weaker vessel it doesn't say she is the weak vessel it says she is the weaker vessel you know what that gives us to understand That we, as strong as we may think we are, we are weak as well. She is just weaker in this marriage situation because that's the way that God designed it and the way that God established it. And so your wife is weaker. He, he explained this clearly. He said they're, they're, they're not weaker in an intellectual way or a spiritual way or a moral way. They're not weaker in that sense. This weakness is not qualitative. It's not saying that she is less than or that she is inferior. That's not what it's saying. It is comparative. Women are equal image bearers of God just like men. They bear the image of God the same exact way. But in comparison with their husband, you know what your wife, most in, mo- in most scenarios, not every single scenario, but in most scenarios your wife is weaker physically than you if you and your wife get into a fist fight it's not a fair fight you need to give her a bat right hello and let her swing at least once before you move and that might even out the situation right the point of the matter is that when you look at those scenarios and, and and you look at what makes a woman, well, she's physically weaker. But then there is something else that you got to get. In the marriage, you know what God commands her to do? God tells this wife, submit to your husband submit to him and this woman has to if she's going to be a godly woman then she has to embrace and say you know what i am going to accept his leadership i'm going to accept the way that he does things and so god subjects wives by his command to submit to our to, to their husband's leadership and if we are tyrannical or we are chauvinist or we are cowards they are forced to defend themselves to provide for themselves and to nurture themselves when we as the leader should be doing those things she is weaker because god says submit to your husband you remember earlier on in the scripture we were talking about these women that submit to their husband like sarah who are without fear here's the thing that you got to get Is that there is a fear that some women struggle with because of fears, because they saw bad examples in their families. And there's a fear that, man, I'm going to get into a marriage like this, and this is going to be what this is going to turn out to be like. And so there is a fear of that. There may be fears because you have just been a jerk. You have not been the best husband. Therefore, she fears that you will continue to be the same way and the rest of her life is going to be hell. And so you know what? That's the reason why we have submission issues. Now let me balance this statement out. That doesn't mean that the wife has a right to disobey the word of God and just say, well, I'm fearful so I can't submit. But I'm speaking to the husband today. What you need to do is liberate your wife of these fears by not being a chauvinist who dominates and rules with an iron fist and commands everything and intimidates everyone and also not being a coward, the one who goes ahead and probably works his, his time and brings home a paycheck but then locks himself up playing video games or goes and hangs out with the boys to do this or goes and does his own thing wherever, but you are a person who is engaged in the life of your wife. You are a person who is striving to understand her. You are a person who is striving to honor her. Because when you do those things, and you know what happens? What happens is those guards that are fearful, those guards that are holding her back from walking in total you know, reverence and, and, and the way that she's supposed to, those guards begin to come down because you are leading as God has called you to lead. Husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding way giving honor to them as the weaker vessel, as heirs of the grace of life. All of us, men, women, we have all been called to that same glory, to that same blessing. The third thing I want you to repeat after me is this. An understanding, honorable husband will be unhindered in prayer. And that is the title of the message, understanding, honoring, and unhindered understanding honoring and unhindered when i as a husband dwell in understanding with my wife when i as a husband am doing everything i can to give honor to my wife then god communicates your prayers will be unhindered now for some of you that matters for others it doesn't but here's the thing i don't want any of my prayers to be hindered hello and what is the Apostle Paul speaking here? He says this word hindered. A hindered prayer life is the result of being an unbiblical husband. Pastor Chad, he sent me, a, he sent an email out, I think to some of the men, and it was a uh, preaching of mark driscoll he was speaking he was speaking at a leadership conference and it would almost sound like this statement isn't true because he gives the example of a person that you all will know his name is a w towser i think it was that's who it was right that he was talking about and he's a pastor and he's an author and i mean you read some of the stuff that he's written and your mind is blown away and this guy used to neglect his family he would spend hours and hours and hours in prayer with god to the neglect of his family and so we look at that and are like, man, what a mighty man of God. He prayed so much. But to the neglect of his family? I love what Mark Driscoll said. Some men should stay single. Because here's what happens. That's all good. Pray, pray, pray. But you know what you need to do? Sacrifice something else. Don't sacrifice your family. Sacrifice your sleep. You want to pray for three hours? You got to get up at six to leave your house? Get up at three o'clock in the morning. Don't say, well, you know what I got to do? I'm going to come home at at, at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, whatever time I get home, my family's there wanting daddy, and I'm going to lock myself up in the room for three hours so I can seek him. That's not honoring God. Not if you do that every day. There may be seasons that you come in fasting and prayer and brokenness, and God is dealing with you. That's one thing. But not to make that a lifestyle where you neglect this. Let me tell you how horrible this was. He wouldn't buy a car for his wife. Because buying a car would be ungodly. So you know how she got to church? Come rain, hail, sleet, snow. Tom and Jerry. Walking to church every day. One day, the youth pastor and his wife. This is the most horrible story that I was like, wow. Youth pastor and his wife driving by. They see the wife and the kids walking down the road. I guess it was raining snow or something like that. They stop. They pick them up so they can bring them to church. The youth pastor's wife tells him, don't you ever... Be like A.W. Towser. That is like you saying, don't ever be like Bishop. That is horrible. That is horrible. And you would think, man, he's, he's authored. He's done all of these great things. Listen, every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And everything that we did, all of it is going to go through fire. Every bit of it will go through fire. And we need to make sure that we are taking into account not solely the scripture that says that we must provide for our homes. Not solely the scriptures that show us that we should be leaders in in decision making in our home. But also those scriptures that tell us that we are supposed to nurture, that we are supposed to embrace, that we are supposed to understand, that we are supposed to honor our spouses. He says this word, he says that your prayers will be unhindered. When you look at this word hindered, it means to cut in front of. It gives you the picture of when I was looking at it. It was like I saw someone driving down the road in this lane, and they're going full force, and someone out of nowhere cuts them off, and what happens? They have to pull over into a ditch or get into an accident. And when when I saw that, I saw my own prayer life. I saw moments in my life when my wife has walked in on me when I'm in my spiritual moment. Glory to God. Preparing for a message, and she asked me a simple question, and because I'm so holy, I can't even give her eye contact, and then she feels dishonored, and then she walks out of the room, and then you know what I feel like? Garbage, because I'm an idiot. That should be the moment that the joy of the Lord is bubbling up inside of me. That the glory of God is manifesting the greatest. And I should give her the greatest smile and the most wonderful eye contact because God has blessed me with a wonderful wife. Amen? That's what should be occurring. And I don't do that every single time, and so don't get it twisted. I'm just trying to give you some examples because I'm not going to stand up here and preach to you and act like I'm walking on water because that's not the case. See, the fact is that there are times that prayer life is hindered and so what does that mean there's three ways and there's actually four when i when i did all the studying and looked at all of the things the way that prayer is hindered and i want you to get this the first way is that you will cease to pray together if you are not honoring your wife if you are not understanding your wife you guys are not going to pray together it is assumed that couples that are married and are christian pray together that should be happening If you call yourself a Christian and you and your wife don't pray together at least a couple of times a week, man, you really need to repent and ask Jesus to give you the grace to do that. Because there is nothing greater than husband and wife being able to come together and pray one for the other. That's an important thing. But the other way that is a practical way that your prayers will be hindered is you'll stop praying individually because you are so hurt, you are so overwhelmed because of the mistreatment, or whatever the case is on the wife's part, and on the husband's part, you will be just, no matter what and and I don't know, you have to be like the most insensitive to God person on the planet, if you can walk out of an argument, disagreement neglecting your family, listen whenever I'm in my room, and on Saturday nights I just my time with the Lord, it is so hard for me to stay in that room, and not go out there, and spend time with my wife and my daughter, because I want to enjoy time with them but the point of the matter is, you gotta be something serious if you can have all of that and not feel any kind of remorse just go to god like there's nothing wrong there's an issue there was an issue in your heart if you can go through stuff and mistreat your spouse and think i'm just going to god and everything is all good that's not what the scriptures teach and the other practical way that it'll happen is that you will cease to pray effectively this is probably the one that gets me the most Because I'll get down on my knees and I'll try to pray for like 10 minutes and try to get past whatever it was. And eventually I'm calling my wife and saying, listen, I really apologize for being a jerk. And um, thank you for forgiving me. And then I move on with Jesus because if not, I just can't do it. Because my brain is replaying everything that I did wrong. Why? Because that's the Holy Spirit showing me. "Oh, that wasn't the way to go about that. That wasn't the way to do that. That wasn't the way to have that conversation. And so you begin to pray ineffectively. And this applies just to treatment of people in general. When you treat people like garbage, when you don't treat people rightly, I hope you don't just jump into God's presence like you are all good because you are not all good. There is repentance that needs to take place. And sometimes that repentance involves you calling someone and telling them that you apologize and that you acknowledge what you have done wrong. This is what the scriptures teach. To mistreat your wife is to sin against God. The Bible clearly says that our sins separate us from God. And so prayer will be hindered on a spiritual level due to sin. Now I want to balance this all out because here's what I want you to get. You can be the perfect husband in your own eyes or even in your spouse's eyes. You can be the husband that does honor her and does all of these other things that are great. And you can be all that and you know what, your prayers can still be hindered because you're not depending on the grace of God. It is important to understand that our prayers are not heard and not answered because we are so perfect. It is is—it is the absolute opposite. Our prayers are answered because we are wretched, incapable of doing anything, and Jesus died on the cross, liberated us from our sin, opened up the way so we could pray, and now we are able to see and have this relationship with God that wasn't there before. And listen, you can be as good as you want to be and never get that righteousness with God. So I don't want you to misunderstand the scripture, because for a long time, that's the way that I was looking at this. But when I sat down, I understood I got to embrace the power of the gospel. My prayers being answered isn't because I'm the perfect husband. My prayers being answered is because Jesus died on that cross for me. I have access to God, not because of my perfection. I have access to God because of his perfection. I'm not guaranteed anything because I have done this or done that or made that checklist. It is because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Amen. And I close with this. There are many Christian husbands and wives who desperately need repentance in their hearts toward one another. And healing because of whatever has happened in the past. Many couples, we walk around ignoring things, acting like they're going to go away. They don't. And so what I challenge each and every person in this place, especially the husbands, lead your wives. Lead them in an understanding way. Get to know what they like, what they don't like. I know you think you know all of that. But seek her out. Give her the honor that she is worthy of. And let God open the windows of heaven in your homes. Amen? So i stand to our feet and bow our heads, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I come before you today on behalf of each and every person in this place. God, first and foremost, we acknowledge the power of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is why we have access unto you. And so, God, I pray first and foremost for those marriages in this place, Heavenly Father, that need your healing hand to be stretched forward upon them. I ask you right now, God, that you would grant husbands, wives, repentant hearts before you, God. Lord, I come against every spirit of haughtiness, Lord, that would hinder marriages from being restored and rectified, dear God. I come against the pride that would barricade us one from the other. And I pray right now, Lord God, that humility would overwhelm our lives and that we would acknowledge our errors in our marriages and that we would allow you full access and total control in every area, God. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would grip the hearts of each and every one of my brothers and my sisters, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray for the husbands as you have spoken to our hearts today. God, I pray that we would humble ourselves before you, humble ourselves before our spouses, even humble ourselves before our children, asking for forgiveness, Lord God, acknowledging our error, acknowledging where we have not met the standard and have not lived to it, God. Father, that we would be vessels that would bring healing into our homes. Father, I pray for wives in this place, Lord God, that they would allow the process, Lord God, to take place in their hearts. That they would not fear, but that they would put their faith and their hope, not in a man, but in you. That they would trust you with the heart of their husband and with their life totally, God. And that as a result, that you would bring just a glorious power into marriages, Lord God. Father, I pray for each and every person in this place that is not married. Father, I just ask you that if they are seeking to be wed someday, God, that they would take these standards that are in your word and that they would, if they're a woman or man, that they would live unto them and that they would hold the other person accountable to those standards as well, Jesus, before they enter into marriage. God, and I pray specifically for our young men in this place. Those that are here and those that are represented, God. Lord, that we as a church would first and foremost do a good job as men, as elders, and as leaders to exemplify what a godly husband looks like, God. What a godly man looks like. And, Father, for those fathers and mothers that are raising these boys, Father, give them wisdom. Give them the ability to teach them your ways, Father God, and to help them to grow up into mighty men of God who will be God-honoring, God-fearing, and biblically sound husbands who will lead their families into your glory, God. Father, I thank you this day. I pray your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Someone said, hallelujah. Come on and give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.